Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm a rat-faced gerbil smuggler. What about me? What about Shane Vin? <laughs> Welcome to episode 253, <laughs> The Buffalo Invasion. Yup. The Buffalo are coming. The Buffalo are coming. <laughs> yeah, they didn't write a tagline. Neither did, we're, neither did we. We're yeah. an ECW guys. They don't. They don't do taglines. Uh-uh. No, no. They barely do tags. But we are not <laughs> in Philadelphia. We are we not are in not. Philadelphia. Nope. We're actually in Buffalo, New York. It's not just a clever play on words. No. For the only Buffalo invasion ever produced by ECW, it would take place on May seventeenth, nineteen ninety-seven, from the Burt Flickinger Center, with an attendance. Of 1,697 people. It looks like a nice ba- high school basketball spot. But yeah. like a nice one. Like a really nice one. Like really nice. Yeah, I really I like the way the show looks. I do too. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it looks great. Like, Granted, you know, the quality of the video isn't the greatest, but just as far as the actual the arena the setup. setup. Yeah. I think it looks really good. It feels kind of old school. And it looks bigger than it probably actually is. Yeah, there's a, a section of the show where I uh, had to be reminded that we weren't at ECW anymore. Or at ECW. Yeah, at 2900 Arena. Yeah. Just because I kept looking at it and I'm like, where the hell in the arena is? Oh, that's right. We're in Buffalo. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, they have that wonderful the, like entrances right in the middle of the ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good look. I think that this is maybe the first time because I know... At some point, it becomes pretty regular that ECW has the, the like cop lights when people come out. You know, like the, yeah. and um, yeah. I know this is audio format, but you guys get yeah, what I'm the, saying. The old, the old Steiner. I say Steiner, the big Papa Pump. Yeah. Red lights spinning. Uh huh. Yeah. Car chase jams. So but uh, I, I was like, yeah. You can't uh-huh. see me. I'm gonna spin my fingers <laughs> yeah. in the air. No, don't see those out here. No. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. Podcasts need to stop being video. What the hell are people doing? It's stupid. Yeah, you can't watch that in your car watch while you're driving. Exactly. What are you doing watching podcasts at home? That was a nice touch as well, and it's right in the middle, and it's like, all right, have they been using that at home, the 2900 Arena, the ECW Arena? And I just didn't notice because the way where it's it is, or is this the, the first time? Yeah, it's like in the corner. It's pretty far <laughs> no, back. It's, yeah, it's the corner. Or yeah. the, so yeah. I just assumed the light's new. It looks nice, though. But we are in Buffalo, New York. Yeah, we are. So Shane, did you do what you do? (laughs) He tried. Did I ever. Yes, we are in ECW, out of Philly, in New York. So I was going to try and do something a little special. I did what I do as far as getting on the internet and looking to see what the hell do they like in New York, in Buffalo. Upstate. Yeah, I didn't want to do the... 
stereotypical, let's just get buffalo wings. And I'm kind of kind of wishing I would have. Uh, my initial plan, because we all know that when I have these initial plans that get canceled last second and I have to scramble, it ends up not usually the greatest thing. And it's always at least uh, interesting. Yes. It's interesting. In this case, it's kind of sad. Sometimes it's great. Yeah. We've had a couple of great ones, but we've had a couple of real stankers. And I'm going to put this one closer to the stanker level because it's not what I originally wanted and it's not as good as what I originally wanted. It's not the best version yes. of what the thing But is. I've also said I'm not going to say the name of the place because maybe they just had a bad day. Yeah. But if if they didn't have a bad day, I don't want to recommend them to, to people anyway. So I will say that originally we were going to go to the, the place we've been to a few times, Yokozuna Sushi, because... They have a, a specific dish there, which is popular in the uh, upstate New York area, which is the uh, pork belly steam buns. The one at Yokozuna is great. It's nicely seared. It has a great sauce to it. It comes with some pickled veggies that are plentiful, and you get like a lot of everything in each bite. And the first time I had them, I had to order another round because the first ones I got were free because it was during their opening and they were so good, I asked if I could pay for an actual order of them because I wanted more. Is the Yoko on Broadway? It's Chisholm Creek. Okay. Over there okay, so it's Newark. Western and Memorial. Yeah, I'm, I don't know if it's still open. There was a Yokozuna on like Broadway in Edmonds. I think it was I called Yokozuna. So. My friend worked at the the sushi spot there years ago and it was also a solid a solid place but these ones they sounded appetizing in their description always they, they have a a panko breading and they're fried as opposed to the seared ones that you get from yokozuna the thing is, is you can't fry pork belly it never works you shouldn't i mean yeah state fair deep fried bacon sure but that's different yeah this this is pork belly and it's it's a very specific thing. It's like all it takes, all it does is take time. It takes time to do it right. Yeah, I will you post a picture of it so people can see exactly how ugly yeah. they are in comparison to to what we wanted. It's like but, you can't crap out like smoked barbecue. You can't crap out a pork belly. Huh. It's all time. It's all about time. This, uh, they're very, they are definitely overcooked as far as the frying goes, or they were fried in old oil, so they just have that extra dark color to them. They also like um, they're deep very... fried. If they're gonna fry a pork belly, you gotta do a, like a light panko in like a pan with oil. Yeah, so you, you can keep. Fry, yeah. yeah, you can't. Yeah. You can't just throw it in the fryer. Like, this is what they. They do. could have easily just substituted fried green tomatoes on these, and they probably would have been great. But no, fried green tomato. It would have been more moist yes <laughs> the sauce that they put on here is like a hoisin sauce it looks like and it's very lacking it's just a little it tastes fine a tiny little schmear yeah um, there's supposed to be the pickled veggies on there and it looks like they got a bag of coleslaw and pulled out some carrots from it but the carrots look like they were shaved so like angel hair yes thin which is weird i've never seen carrots that thin even in like a pickled an a, a pickled asian dish yep just very very sad very lackluster very not what i was hoping for it was nourishing and not difficult to eat but not worthy of saying the restaurant's name yes i'm not gonna say the restaurant's name i will do my bite on the microphone just because i'm guessing that 
with as cooked as they are, they will at least make a um, they crunch. They will definitely make a crunch. Yeah. So, Not the worst pork belly they've had. Here goes name deleted. Redacted. Pork belly steam bun. Redacted. Yeah. I don't even want to finish that bite. Oh no! Oh, wasn't that bad. I ate both mine. I'm not a fan of it at all. Yeah. I guess that's because I, I guess really I'm wanted just the, the Yokozuna ones yeah. and these ones. No. I mean, all I had today was a granola bar and some uh, oatmeal. All I, I had never today know what chains bringing. Was the first bite of this other one, and no, don't like it. Don't want it. Never again. Not name, from there. Next time. No name yeah. place. You are never getting my business again. I mean, it says something if I've uh, lived down the street from this spot for a decade and I've never gone there or heard anybody talk about it, but There's I can draw their logo for you. Yep. Close and fast mm-hmm. is not always the best option. It, yeah, it, the, it tastes like apathy. It's like, oh, they don't care. They yeah. obviously don't care. So why should we? So why should exactly. we? Exactly. But hey, we're not But we're I not care jerks. enough not mm-hmm. to say your name because we'll we'll I don't see. even want to utter it. Yeah. I'll have to look it up to remember it. We're here to shit on wrestling, not on restaurants. Exactly. We'll see if we're going to shit on this uh, movie that came out this about around the same time. Oh, not me, brother. The Fifth Element yeah. would hit theaters the week before. Changes recently blew my mind. Yes. I, uh, while I have seen parts of The Fifth Element, I have never sat and watched the entire thing from start to finish. I mean, you when you work multi-pass. at... When you work at Blockbuster at the time that it's released on video, it's on your trailer tapes time and time again, even though I had access to it to where I could rent it for free and take it home and watch it as many times as I wanted to, I didn't. Yep, I but saw- I'll have to check it out soon just so I can finally say I've seen it and I know a little bit more than, you know, Chris Tucker has a wicked blonde wig in it. Yeah, um, the first <laughs> Ruby Rose. The first time uh, I saw this movie was in fifth grade there was a kid i was friends with for a short amount of time we didn't like get in a fight or anything but we didn't create a long you know when you're in fifth grade and i had just recently moved here it's like oh you hang out with a couple of different kids and then you have you don't always yeah. create a lasting uh, relationship but over his house he lived on you know the other side of the neighborhood and uh his we rented two movies and uh one of them was the Fifth Element, and the other one was the first X-Files movie. I thought you were going to say the first element. The first, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exa- yeah. We uh, yeah, water. <laughs> we, were, uh, yeah, we rented uh, David Attenborough's, uh, you know, ocean documentary. But no, it was um, the X-Files movie. But we put on The Fifth Element, and we were just slapping our knee, couldn't believe what we saw. Uh, it was so funny and colorful. And I was like, oh, this is the greatest movie I've ever seen. And then for... Probably a, a year when you're in fifth grade seems like a much longer time, but at least for a year or two, this was like my favorite movie. It was on television all the time. I uh, think that I taped it off of television, eventually bought a copy. I think I've owned at least three copies of this movie in my life. If it was on TV, on like HBO or something like that, and I'd walk in and my dad was watching it because he was flipping channels. My like sister, if she was flipping channels, would stop on it. Maybe even my mother did. But this is kind of a beginning of like, the first thing that I saw that ended up 
being like this the genesis and spider web of a lot of things that I love, even though I didn't know it at the time, with like science fiction, which I was into, but comic books is like a lot of this is based off of Mobius artwork and stuff and how he worked on like Alien, a movie that I hadn't seen at that point because I got into like horror movies and I was late later to the rated R thing because my mom was not super overbearing. I could watch The Simpsons and stuff, but yeah. And it's like, oh, like this is kind of the, uh, the like ancient sea scroll of like things that I would get into like later in my life uh, as far as other science fiction and comic book and art style stuff goes. But yeah, I love this movie. I've seen it a million times. Saw it with Matt. Yeah, we actually went and saw the re-release in the theater a few years ago. And uh, was so much fun to see on the big screen. Yeah, because I I assume you hadn't seen it in the theater? Actually, I think I did go see it in the theater back in the day. Because, I mean, I would have been been 16. Did it not connect with you as much? Or you just saw it and were like, oh, that's fun? Because, I mean, like, when I saw this, it blew my mind. And I was like, oh, greatest thing ever. Because it's funny. It's stupid. It's, like, perfect for the mind of a fifth grader. Because Luke Besson is kind of an idiot. I mean, it is a very fun movie. I'm never going to say that it's like like a 10 out of 10 I masterpiece. Even, I don't even know if it's a good movie, but I love it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the perfect yeah for, perfect argument for it. Because, like, this is, like, yeah, this is a like, popcorn they're, they're, movie for fucking children, with, but it does have adult themes. Yeah. And the thing is, you get older and you're like, oh, some of these adult themes are upsetting, but you don't realize that when you're in fifth grade. I didn't realize that Luke Besson kind of into children until I was older. Is that the director? Yeah, yeah. director, writer. I mean, he also made the Leon the Professional. Okay. The like lead sexy character of this movie basically has the mind of a child. It's kind yes. of a bit of a theme in some of his work. Is yeah. that Mila Jovovich? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because I know it's her, Bruce Willis, Gary, Gary Oldman, Oldman plays yep. the bad guy. Gary Oldman, incredible. Choose, he, he's choose the best, it up. He's the best part of the movie. He chews the scenery so, just so delightfully. Yeah. And like, this isn't even a, like, this is a, like, a sci-fi comedy. Like, this is a comedy just as much as it is a sci-fi, yeah. I think. Uh, there's a good, is it Luke Perry at the beginning? Mm-hmm. Yep. Good Luke Perry cameo. Hmm. What a great opening. Cold, great cold open in this movie. I mean, I would put this in Bruce Willis's like top five. I mean, you can see that. I think that tells that says more about Bruce Willis's filmography. Yes, because <laughs> we've crazy. literally we haven't shat on the movie. No, but I love it. We're, dearly. we're definitely saying that it's not the best movie out there. I either. think it's also like a time period thing where like Matt and I were like Matt's. A little older than me but like the right age to enjoy this thing but like people that are younger than us that i've listened to that talk about film and whatnot they didn't see this movie and they heard about people loving this movie and they watch it and they just shit all over it and it's, <laughs> i feel like i'm like you just had to be had there to be man there. it's like you can poke a million holes in it but like i think that it is a blast and i've I can't separate myself from it enough to like truly turn on the thing, <laughs> nor would I want to because I think it is uh, magically fun. And I, so he just recently did the Valerian and the City of Thousand Planets, which I did not like, but and I it, owe a rewatch. And it was supposed to be 
I feel like not like a it's not a sequel by any means, but he was going for it was the, the spiritual the sequel. spiritual spe- sequel of it. And that movie is trash. I sh- I need to rewatch it, but I also feel the same way, Matt, based on my one viewing. It is based off of a famous French yeah. comic, which Mobius is a fr- famous French artist. He didn't write Valerian, and he didn't write Fulfillment, but he did a lot of des- like design work. Yeah. You know, he drew up a lot of the costumes and ships and things, and that's why the m- movie. Yeah, it's like. Granted, they had the budget. To and make it's it more look trash like that. because of the story. Like it's it's very beautiful still to look at. Like it's crazy. Basan has a wonderful like design eye for science like, fiction worlds. Yeah, but they are batshit insane with wild tones yeah. that like a lot of people can't choke down. It's kind of like the Fifth Element is the unicorn like milkshake of you know pink Starbucks pink Starbucks like unicorn drink. Of science fiction, Ew. it's just a lot. It's just a <laughs> lot, and if like you, and if you're not ready for it, then like it's yeah, it's really going for the whole damn thing, even if you don't know what the thing is. Well, then it makes sense then because for a fifth grader, I, I yeah. did not try the unicorn drink from Starbucks. I don't like that in my drinks, but sometimes <laughs> I want it in my movies. I like this movie so much that I didn't know any better as a kid that licensed video games are always dog shit and uh i like, <laughs> oh, did you play the video game i pre-ordered it for playstation and it took like a year to come out and it's like the only video game i ever pre-ordered as a child or even an adult i think it's the only video game i ever pre-ordered and like it was so broken impossible to play and i kept playing it trying to get the crazy gun that's in the movie that it is so perfect for a video game it's like this awesome gun that looks like a fucking clamshell that does like 10 different things and it even shoots a net yeah the game was garbage yeah but i you know i couldn't i would refuse to believe it so i just kept playing it un unwilling to realize how broken it was not knowing that video games could be broken and it's like oh it just doesn't work well enough about steam rolls and fifth elements Let's you know talk. what the fifth element is should we spoil it we won't spoil. Yeah, don't spoil it. Don't it's, spoil it's, it. it's wildly obvious. The reason bye, bye, that a lot bye, of people bye. would probably dislike the movie. But as a kid, I didn't yep. care by the time we got Yes. It. She is the fifth element, right? No. Okay. Well, then the mystery is still out there for me. Let's talk some ECW. <laughs> okay. And we go straight to our first match. The full-blooded Italians of Little Guido and Tracy Smothers. Mm-hmm. With Tommy Rich Tracy. versus the Pitbulls of number one and number two, the Don, Tommy Rich, and obviously we didn't see Smothers join the yeah, FBI. Yeah. It was on a show that we couldn't get our hands on. Last time we saw him, he was Freddie Joe Floyd or something like that. Oh yeah, that is true. <laughs> Such a shame. But actually, the last time we saw him in ECW, he actually faced the full-blooded Italians in a match. Oh, he did. That's right. So, he's come full-blooded circle. I mean, yeah. I love Tracy Smothers. I feel like we haven't watched enough of his work, considering his career on this show. But I feel like we have spoken very highly of some of the few things that he has done and that we have seen. Absolutely. I mean, there's that there's that uh, WCW tag match that I bring up anytime I get the chance. <laughs> 
So Rich takes the mic to tell the crowd to stand up and give the Italians the respect they deserve. Before Guido starts it off with number one, as the crowd lets everyone know what they want to happen. Fuck em up, Pitbulls. Fuck, fuck em up. And Pitbull 1 uses his power early on, shoving little Guido, but a distraction by Tommy allows Guido to gain control with a hand full of hair. Until number one hits a shoulder block and tosses little Guido around the ring. Followed by a double team back elbow. I do love little Guido just <laughs> kind of taking him down a peg by just grabbing his hair like five times in a row. Little Guido, you know, he's got, he's got the juice, just not the size. Yes, he he's got the juice. He just has not juiced. <laughs> no, I mean he's, <laughs> he's very fit. It's just like you can't you yeah you, can, you can't spend money to get taller. No. The Pitbulls work the arm, but a thumb to the eye allows Guido to lay in some strikes in a corner, which just pisses Pitbull 1 off, causing little Guido to beg off, only to thumb the eyes again. Guido then charges into a back elbow, before number 1 hits a clothesline and a hangman's neckbreaker. Hangman's neckbreaker is like the um, atomic drop, or there's there's been some years of this show where we like pick a move, where it's like, oh, that's the move Especially of the year. Especially ECW on this in show. In ECW on this show, there's probably like fucking 15 Hangman's Neckbreakers. And he calls them that, where it's like, I don't know, it's it's kind of a neckbreaker, but like barely different. It's the rude awakening. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And it's like, well, did Rick Rude just tell everybody to do that? As he will be on commentary for parts of the show. <laughs> Tracy runs in only to receive a belly-to-belly suplex, a double noggin knocker, followed by Pitbull 2, flying in with a double clothesline, sending the FBI out to the floor to regroup. Now back in the ring, little Guido challenges number two, only to be thrown into his corner, but Smothers walks away from a tag at first, only to flip into the ring and get into a test of strength with Pitbull 2. And Tracy gets taken down and has his hands stomped on, followed by a leaping shoulder block and a gorilla press slam. For a two count. It's weird to see the larger man, Tracy, be the like chicken shit here. Because he's number one, he's Tracy Smothers. And number two, Guido is like eight inches shorter than him and doesn't have the pedigree that Tracy Smothers does in the ring. Smothers reverses a whip but telegraphs a back body drop. Don't do it allowing number two to deliver a powerbomb and make a cover, only for Guido to run in and break it up. And Tracy reverses another whip, sending Pitbull 2 to the ropes, where Rich pulls them down, sending number two crashing out to the floor. Dick. And Tommy neuters Pitbull 2 on the guardrail, followed by little Guido coming over to attack as well, before rolling number two in for Smothers to hit him with right hands. And the FBI teams up for a pair of double back elbows and a double elbow drop before Guido nails a body slam and a slingshot elbow drop from the apron for a near fall. Guido's, uh, maybe he is on the juice. He's lifting pit bulls. The FBI with more double teams, followed by Tracy hitting a side slam on Pitbull 2. He goes for another one, only for number two to cradle Smothers up for a two count. But Tracy comes right back with a clothesline. Tag team specialist right there. 
and the FBI hit a double drop kick to send Pitbull to out to the apron, where Rich gets some punches in as well. And number two begins to fire up, blocking a turnbuckle smash and nailing some right hands to Smothers, but runs into a double boot, only to respond with a double clothesline to the FBI, allowing him to make the crawl for the hot tag. Pitbull won with right hands, clotheslines. Number two joins in for a double team power slam and whipping the Italians into each other. Only for them to do do right into double clotheslines from the Pitbulls. Fun spot, come on. Rich then climbs onto the apron, only to be knocked down by Pitbull 1, while number 2 clotheslines Tracy out of the ring, which allows the Pitbulls to then deliver a super bomb to little Guido for the pin and, and the, the win. win. Woo. Very fun tag match. I almost assume that Tracy's mother was the, like, what they would call a match agent for this, where he's like, all right, guys, this is how we're going to do it. And everyone's like, it sounds great, because I wouldn't expect this necessarily on an ECW show, and I wouldn't expect this in a typical Pitbull match. This felt old school. I think the best, most surprising thing is that Tracy Smothers does almost nothing in it. Agreed. I don't know why, but I kind of like this version of Tommy Rich. Better than, getting, yeah. better than old Wildfire. I mean, yeah, we didn't see Wildfire really in his... I don't, I don't ever need to see Tommy Rich in the ring ever again. No. I mean, he's um, obviously much older and larger now, but we never saw him as, like, in his this, heyday. Had he really? had this shitty attitude back then, I would have been all for Tommy Rich. Yeah, but then you would have saw um, him and been like, I don't know if, what a slight man. If he had that attitude during his younger days before we saw him in WCW, but... Mid-90s, early-90s Tommy Rich, whatever it was that was the wildfire in WCW, was nothing like this. I mean, that was still, like, here. past his prime, I feel like. Yeah. He, like, had his he had his moment, but it was a territory moment, and it didn't last particularly long. Yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I miss my JT. Of course, but... I still hope he comes back for one more appearance, because I thought we got one more appearance out of him, but... We can't. We, we Guido is stepping up in oh, a big way, definitely. And uh, he feels like it's funny because before we had JT, and then Guido felt like the tiny dog behind him, like talking a big game, biting at the ankles. And uh, now he's the main guy, and Tracy Smothers, who we all know and love, is afraid to enter the ring. <laughs> it's weird. Oh, he got himself a big dumb dog, huh? Yep. Yeah, he got yeah he's got he got himself a golden retriever and what he really needed was a pit bull. <laughs> Basset hound just a in the corner. So we go to our second match: Wild Bill Wiles versus Balls Mahoney. While Bill Wiles is a trainee, yeah. uh, he he actually worked with the ring crew for a long time with ECW and started training. Mm. Let him have a few matches here and there. Good Trying to get that Mikey whip rep glow up. I mean, so it's going to be hard to do. It's going to be hard to do, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. I noticed that Balls Mahoney, I may have said this before, I don't remember. He looks kind of like a uh, younger Mick Foley from a few years ago. He's a little larger, but 
Maybe in the face a little bit. Yeah, in the face and the gear, and they both have large asses. McFoley's got a dumper. That they do. <laughs> so balls with a shoulder block, but Wiles responds with a arm drag and a drop kick to send Mahoney out to the floor. While Bill follows out with a slingshot biscotto, but Balls responds with right hands and tossing Wiles into a guardrail. Now back in the ring, Wild Bill with chops and back elbows before flying off the second rope with a clothesline for a two count. Boring. And Mahoney ducks a clothesline to hit a big right hand, followed by a spinning heel kick that takes them both out to the floor. And they return to the ring where Balls stomps away on Wiles delivering some chops and does some flare strutting before charging into a corner, only for Wild Bill to move and cradle up Mahoney for a near fall. I do love that this crant, this crowd is like boring. It's like, oh, it's Balls Mahoney. He hasn't been here for that long. And this other guy. And then as soon as the leg lariat that puts uh, Wiley on the floor, and Balls Mahoney does this great thing where he does the leg lariat, Holds onto the rope with one hand, lands feet first, like standing on the floor. And they already, it's probably because they're not in Philadelphia, they're in Buffalo. And this crowd just wants to do it. But they see that happen, which is impressive for how large of a man he is. They start an ECW chant. So they go from boring to ECW chant in less than five seconds uh, because they're idiots and uh, nothing's changed if you've been to a wrestling show in 2023 or probably 2024 or maybe 2019. We get that this is awesome from a clothesline. Yep. Just point it out. <laughs> Just pointing it out. I think that what Balls Mahoney did was impressive. Yeah. But they wanted to do what they wanted to do and they did it. They said ECW. Wiles with chops in the corner and he goes for a whip, only to be countered into a short arm clothesline by Balls. While Bill is then nailed with a super kick, followed by Mahoney grabbing a chair to use over the head for the pin and the win. I like when Balls teases that he's going to grab the ref's ball sack because his name is Balls. So we go to our third match. Spike Dudley versus Taz. And Rick Rude has joined Joey Styles on commentary for this one. Yeah, he did. And the two men fight over a waist lock. Until the human suplex machine takes Dudley down into an ankle lock, forcing Spike to make the ropes. And back and forth action continues with Taz continually taking Dudley down to the mat with different judo throws. Until the human suplex machine goes for a pop-up powerbomb. Only for Spike to dropkick Taz in midair, sending him to the floor. I mean, it's fun to see. Taz is now a man alone. Since the turn at the pay-per-view, um, you know, he's got nothing to fall back on. And he's getting kicked out of the ring by all 97 pounds of Spike Dudley. Love to see it. It's fun. Dudley follows out with a top rope plancha before they return to the ring where Spike uses his speed. But he's caught on a leap up and over with Taz just slamming him down. The human suplex machine then telegraphs a back body drop only for Dudley to attempt to counter into a backslide. But Taz is too powerful as he flips Spike over to nail a clothesline. Awesome spot. It's like he doesn't flip him over straight to the mat. He flips him over and then lays him out with the clothesline. And big ups to Spike for the 
fucking pop-up drop kick. The human suplex machine continues with a release German suplex. He goes for a back suplex, but Dudley flips out and hits a low blow, followed by multiple pin attempts for two counts. Spike then delivers an acid drop for a near fall. He goes for another, but Taz just counters by just throwing Dudley off to the mat. Yeah, this is the uh, correct use of the word yeet, I believe. <laughs> he just yeets him across the ring. I was going to say, this was the correct use of Spike Dudley. <laughs> yeah. The human suplex machine hits a T-bone Tazplex. But he then charges into a big boot from Spike, allowing him to go for another acid drop, only to begin reversed into a northern light suplex. And the human suplex machine gets taken down with a snapmare and a drop kick to the back of the head before Dudley attempts a hurricanrana, only to be caught with a Taz mission for the submission and, and the win. win. This is fun stuff. A new, fully baby Taz working back up the card, and the crowd is still on his side. He's got a fun and capable opponent that he can throw around, but Taz still didn't completely squash him. He still took a couple of lumps. It's a squash match, but Spike Dudley is the guy that you want to take a drop kick to the floor from, only to come back and suplex him three times. You know what else was great about this match? There was no fucking whistle. I know. <sighs> bye bye, Billy. Was there a lady out here for this match? A lady? I don't think so. Like, that walked down with one of them, or just... No, I just don't know, because I have a quote from um, Rick Rude early in this match, where he says, uh, that woman can't wrestle a lick, but you ought to see her box. I'm trying to remember what that was in reference to. Cause it's also... Are you sure he wasn't talking about Francine? Yes. Oh, it was talking about Fran scene as you know they talk about other things on commentary and i was <laughs> and he, say, loves, and he and loves to talk about shane douglas and francine so yes foreshadowing and yeah shadow boxing <laughs> so we're headed to our fourth match chris chetty versus the franchise shane douglas with francine for the ecw world television championship Cut the music. Is what Franchise says to let everyone know that they are very lucky. That most people can't say that they saw a Babe Ruth or a Muhammad Ali. But this day forward, you can tell your grandkids you saw the greatest professional wrestler in the world. Shane is so good at this. It's such a shame that he's working for the ECW. And I, it's a shitty thing to say, but he's just kind of got it. Kind of has it. I'd agree with you. Shane then turns his attention to Chetty, saying he's not an asshole like the Pitbulls or Rick Rude, before giving the rookie a handshake. Give him the rub. And the crowd starts chanting, Fuck you, franchise. And She's got her piece. <laughs> So Douglas decides to pack it up and head to the back, but returns to have a feeling out process with Chetty to start, until the rookie is able to nail three drop kicks that sends Shane back out to the floor. Loving the 
the rook, the rookie love on this show. Yes. Back in the ring, the rookie works the arm until he charges into a big boot, allowing Douglas to fire up with a clothesline and a rude awakening. The hangman's neckbreaker. The franchise continues with a pile driver and a rolling neck snap for a two count before applying a head scissors to wear down Chetty. And I gotta say, I'm kind of digging Shane being the, I don't know, the welcome committee or the, yeah, we'll just say welcome committee for these new guys because, I mean, him and um, uh, Spicoli. Spicoli, yeah, they Ooh. had a good yeah. run on, on Spicoli's, one of his first matches. And there's that other guy I liked a lot. I can't remember his name now. Sam Houston. No. <laughs> no, it was current. It was around the same time that Louis showed up. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's nice to see Shane owning that franchise role and It's perfect too because he can heal it up the standard. and do his his version of his version of Ric Flair, but he's doing it with guys he doesn't necessarily have to, but But he makes you know. them look like superstars instantly because yeah, exactly. I Chetty looks great. Yeah, he he looks like he's sixty been seconds in, in it is for a while. Yeah, triple drop kick. Come on, and they're clean ones. Mm-hmm. We're not talking like Sandman drop kicks, which kind of are similar to watching somebody take a dump. Shane with a brain buster, and he tries for another, only for the rookie to reverse it into a suplex of his own, followed by a top rope leg drop, which Douglas avoids and delivers a butterfly suplex. The franchise keeps up the attack with a half crab and chokes across the ropes, where Francine gets a a cheap shot in as well. And Chetty rolls out and stalks after Francine, so Shane baseball slides out of the ring to send the rookie into a guardrail, followed by a body slam on the hardwood floor. They make their way back in where Douglas misses a clothesline, allowing the rookie to dropkick the knee. And lock on a figure four. Francine jumps in the ring to break up the hold and slapping Chetty before the ref can get her out onto the apron. When Rick Rude would make his way out, where he looks up Francine's dress before picking her up into a powerbomb position with his face buried in her ass cheeks and carrying her to the back. It's a yeah. pile driver, I think. Tombstone. It was I... supposed to be a like you yeah, usually face. lift someone up like this. Yeah, but then she, she drops down. It's like a three force yeah, power yeah, bomb yeah, position, yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah. But but it's I thought he would have like let her down or he would get attacked and she would run off. But he no. just holds her he, eating he, her uh um, She got a mustache ride all the way to the back. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking awesome. It's so funny. It's ECW, brother. It's almost awkward. Yeah, because but it's I just kept Crowd sitting there like, "Is this actually happening? What the fuck? Seriously, is this is still going?" Because yeah, yeah, it's it's not face on ass cheek. It's not you know nose at the top of her ass crack. It's full on face in crack smashed. Yeah, his nose is in her taint at least. Yep. The uh, that's a. A rude awakening of a different kind. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's it's fucking so wild. And so it's like the kind of similar rules to... Like, I'm going to uh, say this is why there was only one Buffalo Invasion, because... 
there was something that was invaded. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was Francine's franchise. Uh, but the um, it's similar to the like in wrestling rules of like three. Like okay, the ref didn't see the first time or the second time you grabbed the ropes, but he saw the third one, and now it's over. And in comedy, you say something that is only kind of funny, and then you double down. And uh, it's not funny at all. But then the third time you do it, it might be funny. Yeah. He, uh... And uh, this that that was like the extended length of him doing this, where it's like shocking, and then you're like, okay, and then he walks all the way to the back, and you're just like, beside yourself, like what the fuck, just yeah. crazy. Got up, all up in that box. And the crowd does about. kind of the same thing. We're like, okay, and then they are like all standing and cheering as he like walks and the camera and the setup for the show is perfect because the hard cam the entrance is right in the middle on the other side of the ring so he just walks back and you can see your legs flailing up in the air like fucking olive oil but uh you know i don't know that uh, what was his name i wanted to call him brutus who from popeye oh bluto yeah but bluto probably not Never got that close to Olive Oil's uh, vagine. <laughs> so the franchise finally escapes the figure four and starts whipping Chetty into elbows before going up top. But the rookie kicks his legs out from under him, allowing him to deliver a superplex for the pin. And no, Shane kicks out. I mean, there, Chetty looks great. He's so athletic. All the stuff's clean. He's taking big moves correctly. His selling is fucking on point. Dude's paid as fuck. His top rope leg drop? I shit my pants when he did it. I loved it. (laughs) Chetty continues with several clotheslines for a two count. A swinging neckbreaker for a near fall. He tries for an O'Connor roll, but Douglas hangs onto the ropes, only to then walk into a thrust kick. The rookie goes out to the apron for a double springboard moonsault. Come on. But the franchise moves and nails a belly-to-belly suplex for the pin and and the win. win. Okay, so that's what that was, a double springboard moonsault. Okay. Great match. Lots of ring story. Of course, Shane Douglas. The man could write a fucking 300-page novel for every match he has, and he does sometimes before the match starts. And then... Shane Douglas has a hungry and very talented opponent. He doesn't get that particularly often here. Most of the hungry and talented guys, a lot of, like, at least more recently, are in his stable. Yeah. So, maybe, uh, I always forget his damn stable's name, too. Really? Three. Come on. My brain automatically wants to go to three count. Triple threat. There you go. There we are. Okay. Yeah, much better name than three count. <laughs> but um, the people that are in triple threat have changed since the last time we saw them as well. Uh, really? Yeah. Because remember, Brian Lee turned on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's Candido, Shane Douglas, and yeah, another TBD. person, which I'll leave. I'll leave to the next time we see him. Okay. Well, I guess what I was thinking was that it was Brian Lee. We don't, we're not Brian Lee, big Brian Lee fans here. No. But. It's uh, a much better person. Yeah, yeah. In my I head, it's, in my head, it's. You'll Lan- like yeah. the third person. In my head, it's Lance Storm because, but that might just be me projecting because Lance Storm's been recently added to the ECW roster. 
I'm intrigued. We'll see who it is. Is it? Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I was going to say. Is, is it Mike it, Awesome? Is it old Spicoli? Might be. We'll see. We'll see. Is it Chetty? Spicoli would be a good one. Spicoli's a much better fucking Brian Lee than Brian Lee. And he'd fit in, you know, he's got that bleach blonde candido mm-hmm. look to him. He can work and he's a hoss. So we go to our fifth match Raven with Chastity and Lupus. Nose picking dude. And a mystery partner. Versus Tommy Dreamer with Beulah and a mystery partner in a dream partner tag match. And we got Rick Rude back on commentary. Guess yep. he's done eating the snatch. I guess. Yeah, I was going to say he's done with lunch, Matt. You dirty Maybe. boy. Make while, quick work. While Beulah is in a good. neck brace. Oh, and she's wearing all white to match her neck brace. Incredible look. And the reason she was in a neck brace is because she had received a Spicoli driver a week earlier. Yeah. Well, you know, foreshadowing. While Raven and Tommy both make their choices for the match. And who could they be? I'm so surprised already. Dreamer Ooh. selects Terry Funk. Shocking. Oh my gosh. But when Todd Gordon goes to ask Raven... Lupus steps up with a toy lightsaber, only for Todd to just hit him with the mic to knock him out. <laughs> for continuing on to ask Raven, in which he chooses Stevie Richards. Yeah. I mean, the crowd loves Stevie Richards, but Stevie Richards and Raven have a complicated, complicated relationship. Yeah, Stevie didn't look too enthused. Yeah, Stevie comes out very puzzled as to why Raven would choose him. With Raven just telling him not to bring his flunkies, and he didn't want to hear any of his dumb Blue World Order chants. Which fires up the crowd. And Tommy doesn't believe this is all a setup, as the match gets going with Richards and Dreamer going back and forth. So when Raven gives more advice, Stevie just shoves Raven. More back and forth action before Terry gets tagged in, only for them to trade strikes and holds until Tommy comes back for some double-team chops, double-team fists, and a vertical suplex for a two-count. And Dreamer drags Richards to his corner so he can tag out, only for Raven to jump down off the apron to force Stevie to continue. I mean, yeah, Raven's doing big old chicken shit. I'm going to teach you a lesson, young man. Funk with a vertical suplex and a hangman's neckbreaker. When Raven would grab the mic to say, Are you going to fight like a man or a piece of shit? To Richards. Yep, I love you. He's like, I didn't didn't raise you to be a pussy. Now get in the ring and kick his ass. Kick his old ass. The two men argue back and forth about who will be in the match when it ends up breaking down into a big brawl on the outside between all four men. And Raven puts Terry through a table before fighting out into the crowd where Tommy and Stevie join the fray momentarily. Richards gets hit with a chair by Funk before everyone returns to the ring where Terry tosses in a chair only for Raven to grab it and just throw it right back at Terry. Now Dreamer grabs Raven but a low blow takes Tommy out before setting the chair up for a drop toehold of Funk into the steel. Raven tags Stevie back in to deliver a pile driver to Terry for a two count. A combo drop toe hold elbow drop from the disgruntled team, followed by a double team vertical suplex of Funk that only gets a two count as Dreamer distracts the ref. And Richard starts wearing down Terry with a headlock 
before Raven hits a falling fist for a near fall and dumping Funk out to the floor. Stevie with a chair shot to the knee of Funk on the floor, while Raven sets up the broken table inside the ring. This is almost comedic with the amount of times that Tommy tries to come in to help and the ref holds him back like they're at football practice. And I'm like, this is ECW, guys. Like, it's funny right now because you've never done this before. It's weird that this is the ECW show where they decided that they had rules. And so, like, I just, it was something that I noticed. Because Tommy tries to go in, like, four or five times. He just keeps trying to help Funk, but, like, it's like the ref. Tommy's taller and bigger than the ref. Does he really care about losing his dream match without a title on the Yeah, it just found it comical. Raven ends up throwing Terry into the table multiple times before Tommy can run in to attack Raven. Finally! But a shot to the back of the head from Richards knocks him down. Stevie then tags in and applies a leg lock to Funk, which prompts Raven to again grab the mic and say, How the hell are you going to beat him with that? Tag me the fuck back in, idiot. And that cracked my ass up. Yep. I mean, yeah. I mean, Because uh, part is... of me was thinking the same thing of, why the hell are you doing the leg lock on him? Are you just going for the spinning toe, whatever? But he's he's a, he's yeah. a new man. We've but, been seeing the evolution of Stevie Richards. But then as I sit here and remember, Stevie was just like laying there in the fetal position, holding onto his leg too. So, yeah, I wasn't really doing shit. Yeah. But I mean, is this, was this our third time? Will this prove the rule? Raven comes in with a DDT on Terry and locks on a spinning toehold, only for Dreamer to again attack, knocking Raven out of the ring. Tommy tries for a whip, but it's reversed, with Raven sending Dreamer into a guardrail, while Richards works the leg of Terry inside the ring. And Raven jumps in and starts arguing again with Stevie. So Raven DDTs Richards and applies the spinning toehold back on Funk, only for Tommy to make his way back in to cradle up Raven for a two-count. Dreamer then goes for a DDT, but Raven pushes him back into a corner where the ref is, knocking him out. Ref bump! But Tommy is able to hold on to deliver the DDT, making the cover, only for no one to be there to count. And the ref's down, guys. Louis Sabacoli then comes running out. Yeah! We haven't seen him since Holiday Hell 96, episode 230. He was also very fast to the ring. I didn't expect him to have those kind of legs under him. And he attacks Dreamer, but Tommy responds with a low blow, only for Raven to nail a clothesline from behind. And um, Louis rocking a Beulah t-shirt. Terry's back to his feet and uses a chair across the back of Raven before unloading with jabs on Spicoli. But he ducks a roundhouse to pick Funk up for a Death Valley driver, when Richards is back in for a Stevie kick to Louie. And Richards capitalizes by covering Terry for the pin. And, and the win. win. Stevie Richards has pinned your world heavyweight champion. I know. Right. It's crazy. This is fun stuff. This is super fun. The moment yeah, when Louie runs in, just Terry yelling, come on, you motherfucker. It's like, yeah, that's all we want from Terry Funk at this point. Not all, but like, we'll take him just yelling curse words because they sound great coming out of his weird little voice. Yeah, it definitely ended up better than I was expecting it to because 
when it started, and it was the Pick Your Dream opponent match. And it was yeah. Tommy Dreamer. I was like, yeah, okay, we know he's going to pick Funk. Terry Funk. But... There was yeah yeah it was it was a a more entertaining match than I was expecting it to because of the Stephen Raven Stephen Stevie Steven. Raven factor Stephen that would be their tag name <laughs> their tag their tag team name if there was only two of them are you kidding we are Stephen it would still be Raven yeah you yeah. <laughs> it's all about Raven I know we all know that. what about me the uh, what about I, yeah that's the thing it's like oh well you have your sensei and trainee your knight and squire um dynamic and then you have the um ab- abusive brother and now you're you've you, you hit your growth spurt and now you're the same size as him and you realize it dynamic and it's played really well here uh, if, if there's another pick your dream opponent match i'm gonna start thinking tommy dreamer has some like daddy issues or something because he is from Philadelphia. There's plenty of people out there. I mean, there. I don't know. I don't think he's actually Funk from is great, Florida. But come on, Tommy. Give us something we haven't seen. Pick pick Rick. Tommy Rick, is... Rick. <laughs> Rude. We he can't wrestle. wrestle. It don't matter. <laughs> he doesn't have to wrestle. Tracy Smothers just, barely wrestles. He can, just, he can be your dream opponent, or your dream partner, and then just... You just dream him into existence? You just handle the rest. And you just do it by yourself. So we go to our sixth match. The Dudley Boys of Devon and Big Dick Dudley with Bubba Ray Dudley and Joel Gertner versus the Eliminators of Perry Saturn and John Cronus versus the Gangsters of New Jack and Mustafa Saeed in a three-way dance for the ECW World Tag Team Championships. But there's a bit of a caveat as the Gangsters don't come out for a minute. Mm -hmm. Well, that's why... The champions came out second. Foreshadowing. And Big Dick tosses Saturn around like a ragdoll, including a gorilla press slam to start. Pretty great looking stuff. But he telegraphs a back body drop, allowing Perry to hit an insiguri and a sunset flip, where Dudley stays up and chokelifts Saturn, only for it to be reversed into a hurricanrana. Perry with forearms and a whip, only to be reversed with Big Dick going for a tilt-a-whirl slam, but it's countered into a head scissors. Now Devon and Cronus both tag in as the crowd lets Dudley know what they think of him. He sucks. That's right. While our competitors have a feeling out process until Dudley hits a clothesline, but John kips up, hits an arm drag, a hip toss, a body slam, and goes to run the ropes, only for Bubba Ray to grab his boot and drag him out to the floor. <sighs> And Perry jumps into the ring to brawl with Devon, while the rest of the Dudleys work over Cronus by throwing him into a guardrail and placing him on the timekeeper's table. Big Dick's now on the apron with Saturn when Dudley would choke slam him onto John and through the table. Oh my god. But the music would hit, the X's go up, and the trash cans go flying as the gangsters run out of the ring to brawl with the Dudleys. Jack uses a guitar to Big Dick. Saeed with a trash can to Devon. Bubba even jumps in to get a stop sign shot to the head by New Jack, knocking him back down to the floor. Perry takes over the attack on Bubba Ray on the outside, while more plunder is being used by the gangsters and Dudleys inside the ring. As Mustafa uses a VCR on Big Dick, while Cronus clotheslines Bubba into the front row. John with a 
body slam of Devon inside the ring before delivering a 450 splash. Holy shit. That's yeah. where you get your holy shit, guys. Yes. This giant man just did a fucking 450 splash that not only is impressive, but it looked good. Yeah, it was pretty fucking perfect, and I love how it was all this craziness happening outside the ring everywhere, and he's just in the middle of the ring just like, all right, what am I going to do while I'm in here? Here, we'll just do this. I do like that, considering all of the plunder, that... The only thing that matters in this match still happens in the ring. That was a, a bit of a appreciated change in the dynamic of the gangsters, which are not very dynamic in this match. Saturn runs Saeed into a ring post. Posted. Big Jick uses a chair on New Jack in the front row, while Perry hits a springboard kick to Devon, who just completely no-sells and nails some forearms only for Saturn to respond with the head scissors. Now Bubba Ray's back in to be slammed down by Perry, who heads up top for an elbow drop, while Mustafa, Devon, and Cronus all exchange chair and stop sign shots on the floor. And just uh, for some slight context here, when the gangsters come out, their song plays during a brawl kind of the same way that... Sandman. Sandman's song plays for five minutes during his intro, but they're wrestling the whole time, so it's still played while the match is happening. But on the copy of this that I watched, they just play like the most boring, rudimentary electronic dun, 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 tag dun, dun, match. Yeah. Like, like yeah. it sounds like daytime soap version of like a dance club. Like it's just like. Yeah, it's like, yeah, uh, yeah, Techno Track 2. But we all know that, like, at least the network does the thing where it's like, yeah, we're not going to pay for the song because that would be very expensive and not potentially worth it. They get something that sounds close or is at least in the style of whatever it is that's like the karaoke version or close to it. And uh, this is, it's really weird to watch this while the gangsters are out there and. All these men are hitting each other with stop signs, VCRs, and mailboxes. A man does a 450 splash, and uh, it's just like bum 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 bum. It's it, yeah, it's, it gets very comedic fairly quickly. Saturn with a hurricanrana bubba, followed by Jack tossing Big Dick into a guardrail, while Perry keeps it up inside the ring with a quebrada onto Bubba Ray's hurt ankle. Which is why he's not in the match. Fuck his ankle. It was one of those things where I was like, I mean, he's got to be either shoot hurt or kayfabe hurt, but Big Dick over Bubba seems uh, weird. New Jack with a keyboard shot to Big Dick, while Cronus uses an umbrella on Devon before rolling him into the ring for the Eliminators to hit double roundhouse kicks to Dudley and a pair of spinning heel kicks to Mustafa. Now Saturn's taken down by a low blow from Saeed, while Devon uses a trash can over the head of John, followed by a drop kick from Mustafa to Perry for a two count. I do love that the trash can is like just a giant Rubbermaid trash can. It's like the kind you would use to like put leaves in uh, when you rake your large front yard. It's not like the metal trash can. It's like a bong is the sound he probably made when he hit his head. Devon comes off the second rope with a leg drop onto a stop sign 
that was atop Cronus's face. It's pretty scary because I just feel like that stop sign could just catch your arm weird and you're just a mess. Yep. Before Saeed leaps off the top with an elbow to the top of Saturn's head. More plunder and brawling with everyone busted open. Of course! When John skips around the ring with the umbrella before smashing it into Big Dick's forehead several times. That, it was really weird to see Cronus just get like a little too giddy with an umbrella. Considering he's such a large man that just did like a 450. And you could be a large man that skips with an umbrella. But it's weird considering what we know about Cronus at this point in time. Agreed. Mustafa with the vertical suplex of Cronus. Followed by Big Dick using the stop sign over the head of Saeed. And Perry and Devon fight over a hip toss. When Saturn would just counter it into a hurricanrana to send Dudley out to the floor. Followed by a drop kick to Big Dick. John now has a croquet mallet in his hands. And he hits Mustafa while New Jack delivers a clothesline to Devon. Maybe he just got a Gallagher tape. And Cronus continues to use the mallet on everybody while Saturn is clotheslined out of the ring by Saeed. And John tries to exchange strikes with Big Dick, but he just gets knocked down and worked over by Dudley and Mustafa while Perry has taken Bubba Ray to a wall of the center to nail a bicycle kick. So we're now fighting with people that aren't even in the match. <laughs> away from the ring. Yeah, next to just a, you know, the, the like lacquered white brick wall of a high school gym? Yep. Yeah, that's what they're doing. They're hanging out over there. Saeed with a clothesline to Devon. Bubba goes low on Saturn before tossing him into a door. And the gangsters team up on Devon with a stop sign shot and a double back suplex, while Bubba Ray continues to work over Perry in the crowd. Jack with a diving headbutt and some kind of plunder over the head of Devon, with Saturn retaliating on Bubba. Cronus is using the umbrella again on everybody, while Mustafa uses a stick on Big Dick. New Jack looks to use a cookie sheet on John when Perry makes it back in the ring to stop him and use it over the head of Jack instead. And the Eliminators hit double low blows and kicks to Devon to send him out of the ring. But New Jack is right there with a stop sign to Saturn to slow the momentum. Big Dick and Saeed then team up to work over Perry in the ropes until John can make the save, allowing the Eliminators to refocus on Jack with a pair of kicks and a top rope flying splash for a near fall. Bubba Ray then uses a crutch to the crotch of Cronus. When Saturn and New Jack both go for a clothesline for the double KO, allowing Devon to come off the top with a diving headbutt to Jack. Now Devon and New Jack fight their way to the floor while the Eliminators have Big Dick and Saeed in opposite corners, where they whip them into each other, but they don't fall down and start to brawl with each other until they're hit with double total eliminations, with each eliminator covering one of them for the pin and, and the win. win. I mean... Because both teams were eliminated yeah, at, at the, the same, same time. time. Fun finish. Uh, I think that they should call that move uh, two guys at once. Post-match, Bubba Ray jumps in the ring to attack Cronus, but the eliminators fight back to hit total elimination on him as well. You can't hit the total elimination only one time. They did do a double kick move earlier in the match, but it's not a total elimination. 
and uh, the double total elimination, pretty neat. I think that this match is better than most of these ECW brawls that we've seen in a while, but it's long, and at least it has a cute finish. <laughs> Bill Alfonso's in the ring with Mike in hand. There's no whistle. I know. I couldn't. I didn't do it. So you're good. He's telling everybody to tune in to watch Mr. Monday Night, Rob Van Dam, and that ECW stinks so much, he's going to get them banned in Buffalo. And Commissioner Todd Gordon makes his way out calling Fonzie an idiot before telling the crowd that they're coming back very soon. ECW! ECW! And Bill gives Todd the count of five to get out of the ring to avoid an ass-kicking. And he starts to count. But Gordon just kicks low, clotheslines Fonzie, and starts pounding away until a bunch of wrestlers come out from the back to separate them. Oh, was this the seventh time we've seen this happen? Something like if that. If not more. How many times we've seen it happen? The amount of times it's happened? Shit. I'd put it in the higher double digits. So we go to our seventh match. Louis Spicoli yeah. versus Tommy Dreamer. With Beulah. Why would she come out? She's wearing the neck brace because he slammed her. You gotta stay in the back. But I guess... She's gotta support her man. Mm-hmm. Stand by your man. And Spicoli takes the mic to tell everyone to forget about Tommy. That he stopped him from beating Raven. Something he has never done. Before dragging Dreamer to the back to beat the fucking shit out of him. Telling the ref to start the count, because Tommy ain't coming out. But the music hits, and out comes Dreamer and Beulah, rushing the ring to begin brawling, where Louie gains control with a roundhouse right, a baseball slide, and several whips into a guardrail. Spicoli continues the punishment with chokes and running Tommy into the ring post. Posted. Before rolling Dreamer into the ring and heading to the top. But Tommy hits the ropes to cause Louie to crotch himself. Now Tommy climbs up to deliver a superplex, followed by throwing Spicoli to the floor, where he can toss him into multiple guardrails. And they make their way into the crowd, where Louie is tossed into the wall and then out a door, only for Dreamer to drag him back in to climb the bleachers to smash Spicoli's head into a railing. I think this happened twice on this show, or at least in... One of these two, the last match or this one, where somebody goes, like, gets slammed to the door and the door opens and it looks like they're about to go outside. It was this one. Okay, yeah, and then he just, like, pulls them back in. And I was like, is that a weird cut? Or, like, they're just like, oh, no, yeah, we aren't going to go outside. We're not going outside. Yeah, yeah, we're not going outside. This isn't our arena. Or it's not even an arena. This is not our venue. Louis is nailed between the eyes with a Coke bottle before being dragged to the top of the bleachers where Dreamer sets up a table against a railing. I do love that the bleachers are, like, off to the side, mm-hmm. and there's nobody there. So, But they're, like, they're the plastic, like, high school mm-hmm. bleachers that they're, like, working up. It really brought me back. Tommy throws Louie into the table, breaking it in half, before grabbing a garbage can to use over Spicoli's head. Louis responds with a low blow and then tosses Dreamer all the way down the that bleachers. 
sick. It was sick. There's like 64 fucking steps. I mean, it might be only like 50, but yeah. like it's a bunch. As they were going up the steps, I kept thinking, are they actually going to do this? Yeah. Are they going to do this? Or are they just going to get to the top and like slowly fight their way back down? But nope. And Tommy really had to put in some elbow grease because these are not like the like crummy metal bleachers mm. that would be like at a t-ball game where you could just like roll down them yeah. with some momentum these are like the big plastic ones that they had in my high school and they have there's like a foot and a half to the bottom of like from the seat to the bottom they're pretty wide yeah. you have to do some leaping and uh yeah the best part was like you got about yeah. halfway down and his momentum like kind of slowed so he kind of had to like probably had to like kind of push himself yes. to keep yeah. rolling all the way yeah, to the did. bottom he did a good job of doing his best to make it legit that, like, you, you know, he didn't give up. He did his. But it was, it was funny. Ode to Chris Farley there, rolling <laughs> down a hillside, only just down bleachers instead. <laughs> so our two men return to the ring where Spicoli tosses a chair in before setting up for a Death Valley driver onto that chair. DVD. When Beulah would run in to protect her man. Tommy would grab the chair and he was about to use it when Spicoli grabs McGillicuddy, causing Dreamer to pause, only for Beulah to mule kick down low, allowing Tommy to deliver the DDT for the pin and, and the win. win. Post-match, Dreamer is celebrating in the ring, but Spicoli attacks to nail the Death Valley driver before grabbing the mic to yell something at the crowd yeah. and leaving to the back. I couldn't figure out what I couldn't figure out what he said either. I love that he poses over Tommy Dreamer after the slam. But, yeah, I like Luis Piccoli a lot. And it was interesting to see that they like, all right, we're going to give him a gimmick. We're going to make him the big bad heel. And they put him into a grudge match immediately. Like, this is a grudge match, not a wrestling match. And I like Spicoli and would prefer to see him in a wrestling match because... He's proven himself as a big, strong boy, uh, and he's still doing it here, but kind of makes sense that they would make this guy a heel, and I think he's doing a pretty good job of it. Yep. So we head to our eighth match, Raven with Chastity and Lupus, versus Stevie Richards, versus the Sandman, versus Terry Funk. What is this, a house show? In a four-way dance. For the ECW World Heavyweight Championship. Now, I just want to know, why didn't they have a, an additional match for Sandman earlier in the night, too? Just, I mean, everybody uh, else Sandman got to Sandman can barely once. work one night a match, <laughs> Shane. What do you expect? That leg drop, every time he does that, he... Um, yeah. He, he didn't he, even come down and drink a beer, though. Every, I guess, yeah. I guess we could he fucks up his ACL and then just drinks it off until we could next have week. replace Balls Mahoney with Sandman. Yeah, see? With Wild Bill... Wiles. Walk down. I would have been a worse match. Smash beer on your head. <laughs> it would have been a worse match. Saying, like, yeah. Let's just check, pick the worst match and then just add Sandman to it. Sandman might be my least favorite wrestler of all time, guys. Take that, Eric Watts. <laughs> you've, oh, you've, no. you've, like, you've gone up the rank. Nope. Chastity grabs the mic to ask the crowd if they want to see her tits then proceeds to lower her shirt enough for them to see more cleavage, then yells, Psych! Yeah, what is she, a 12-year-old boy? Psych is a 12-year-old boy's game. It's the 90s. I know. 
Same brain of a she didn't yell booyah. Yeah, she has the <laughs> brain of a booyah would be funny. Have you guys ever seen the booyah video? That's a little X-rated for this. Oh, I'm like, no. Okay. Same man comes in from the crowd after getting some beers from the concession stand, smashing them on his forehead and busting himself open. To techno music, guys. There's keep playing. They got techno one and techno two on this show. Technotronics. Yeah. Sorry. It's uh, very funny because it's like, oh, yeah. I think they finally realized that they couldn't release tapes with uh, the actual licensed music. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But at least the WWF um, like network, Peacock, whatever, it's, it gets close. It's close. It's a, this is the actual ECW I know, I know. home release video. I'm well aware, but it's like, come on, guys. Raven goes after Sandman as soon as he is at ringside running him into guardrails before placing him on the apron for an elbow drop to the throat. Raven tosses a chair to Stevie to hold, followed by Raven running the same man into it. And Terry has finally made his way out to the ring at this point, with Richards and Raven attacking him, only for Stevie to get tossed into a guardrail several times, while Raven returns to the punishment of Sandman. And Richards is just getting thrown around by everybody around ringside into more guardrails, before Raven and Funk make their way into the crowd in front of a Raven is a sellout sign. <laughs> sellout, sellout. And they said that about RVD too? Because he's headed down south pretty soon. Uh-oh. I mean, I know he gets there eventually. Uh, what's funny is, like, what the fuck do they want with this guy? No, just wait. Terry takes Raven towards a wall while Sandman leaps off the apron with a guillotine leg drop to Stevie across the guardrail. Funk uses a chair across the back of Raven before returning to ringside while Richards throws a chair at Sandman inside the ring, only for him to duck and place Stevie dangling on the ropes for another guillotine leg drop. And Terry is returned to the ring to brawl with Sandman before being tossed outside, allowing Raven to run in and nail a DDT on him, followed by a DDT on Funk. Raven's yelling at Richards to get them, even shoving him. So Stevie just shoves back and delivers a Stevie kick, allowing Sandman and Terry to make the cover for the pin, and Raven is eliminated. This made me very happy. Feel good moment of the show, really. <laughs> yep. Outside of, I mean, there's a spot earlier. It's not feel good. It's just, I guess, the right kind of comedy where everybody's on the floor and everybody whips Stevie into the steel on all four corners. That was a fun spot, but this one maybe that that was a a light chuckle. Uh, this one legitimately, you know, my heart grew a whole new size, <laughs> which I should probably get checked out. Funk then covers Sandman for a two count before Richards runs in, only for Terry to hit a Hangman neckbreaker, with Sandman and Funk making a cover for a near fall. The the Funk the Funky Awakening. Another neckbreaker by Terry for another two count. Followed by Sandman and Funk teaming up for a spike pile driver of Stevie for a near fall. They then team up for a double powerbomb for the pin. And no, Richards kicks out again. Sandman then nails a neckbreaker to Terry and a DDT to Stevie. Before heading down the aisle to grab a piece of guardrail. While Funk makes the cover on Richards for a two count. And uh, this is one of my favorite spots in general. Both men on their knees, Terry Funk and Stevie Richards. Terry Funk doing, you know, 
the dog headbutts. All four headbutts. On all fours, giving Stevie Richards <laughs> some headbutts. Terry follows it up with a back suplex while the railing is thrown into the rink. Sandman then sets the steel in the corner Fuck before up, tossing Sandman. Stevie Fuck into up. it. Before cradling him up for a near fall. Sandman tries the same to Funk, only for the whip to be reversed, so Terry makes a cover for a two count. Funk then lifts the guardrail up onto his shoulders for an airplane spin, yeah. whacking each of his opponents. But Sandman retaliates with a clothesline and tossing Terry out of the ring. Sandman then goes for a suplex of the steel onto Stevie, but Richards is back to his feet to nail several Stevie kicks for the pin. And Sandman is eliminated. Oh, my heart's grown two sizes too big. Somebody call an ambulance. As Richards is getting up from the cover, Funk drops the railing across the neck and back of Stevie, making the cover for the pin and the win. Funker! And we move was sick. And we fade to black. It was nasty. So Stevie would actually suffer a legitimate neck injury no doubt. when the guardrail was slammed onto his back. That's why you don't do stuff like that. He would actually announce his retirement later in the month. He actually did think it was a career-ending injury because he like lost feeling in his legs. Yeah, Jeez. it looked like it was a career-ending. And that's, that's one of the issues I have with Funk is... I understand he he's a legacy and a legend and all that, but he is really sloppy at times when, I mean, with shit all, like that. And the thing is, is like you can see him get winded, but he also plays into it because that's the thing is that he doesn't give up or whatever. Yeah, but just look like he just dropped yeah, it. Yeah, but it's like, well, you're an older guy. There's yeah. a reason that you're working these kinds of matches now. Do headbutts all you want, wrap yourself in barbed wire all you want, but... Yeah. Don't do this shit and injure a thriving a, star. A little bit of good news. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He does get better. Yep. And we will see him again. It's all right to see him again. Just not in ECW. Uh, and that's a true shame because it was his turn, God damn it. Mm-hmm. Do you think that he was supposed to win this or was that actually the finish? That was the finish. Okay. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, they were building Stevie towards... Towards winning it, yeah, but towards winning, yeah, towards like they're building him towards the ECW title picture, obviously. But I just wasn't sure if the injury was so bad that the I mean, cover was maybe impromptu. this is not a popular take, but Stevie should have won it. Funk should not have won it. Not this one, but yeah, yeah. I think the, in the show it. where Funk won it, Stevie should have won it either yeah. at that point or before. They just kept dragging it. I'm okay. I mean, I'm okay that, was the, that was the first paper, ECW pay-per-view, yeah. and you're usually going to put a name guy over yeah. to help establish your promotion in people's eyes. I'm okay with them dragging it even past this, because like, the title no, no, shouldn't no, change. No one, no, no one outside of ECW knows who Stevie Richards is, yeah. so you can't put the belt on him they, on that first pay-per-view. They shouldn't. I mean, there's BWO sh- shirts on WCW and WWF television. So some people know, but some people know, but it's not as big. It's it's bigger than it ever yeah. was. I mean, I know Terry's I mean, a bigger name, but yeah, it's the same reason why AEW the put the belt on Jericho. On yeah, exactly. Instead of Hangman Page on that first show. Well, yeah, yeah but that was their first. 
I, mean, I get that, that was part on it, but I mean, in this case, they've already had Tito Santana, Jimmy Snuka, Don Morocco, Terry Funk has already but been still a champion. Their p- first pay per view, though. I know it's, but, it's the first time a lot of people are seeing yeah. them. But this could be the reward to their fans of Antis TV. There's uh, only so many of them. This is our guy. They're 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 I mean, room they, only if, holds if, if they're, if they're pulling people. five thousand people a week. Okay, yeah, yeah, I can see doing it. But they can't pull five. They're full in fifteen hundred. So, 1500 is the max, though. So, so you, like, got, you yeah. got to hope you're getting 20,000 people on pay-per-view watching this thing. So. I would say that I'm fine with them uh, dragging it past this. I don't think that Stevie should win the belt in Buffalo. And I'm cool with him. I want, him, want to see him win it after this because it's even more exciting. But it really is upsetting that he doesn't get that chance. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy that... He got the payday, and here's something that's very interesting. Not very interesting. Absolutely obvious. WCW picks up Raven. Spoiler alert. Matt just talked about it. He goes to the south. We saw the sign that said sellout. Stevie Richards is the better talent that ends up in a better place. That uh, has a stronger idea of what they're doing. As opposed to... I'm trying to remember if he was there. I mean, yeah, I know he, 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 he was jo- there, but I'm just talking... He joins talking... the nest for... Oh, no, basi- does he? Yeah. Basically, okay. he does retire, and that's how he gets out of any kind of contract, contract. that he yeah. might have had Big with, air with Paul. And basically, when Raven goes to WCW, he basically brings along Stevie, so Stevie and King still get paid, get some health insurance... Okay, so see, I thought, sure that I thought that Stevie... Does Stevie eventually make his way to WWF, though, He right? doesn't wrestle a match Okay, with WCW. WCW. Yeah. Okay. He's just in the nest. Well, yeah. With or what the, you said... With a flock. Yeah, that's what they call it. And see, that's what I was trying to remember when he ended up in WWF, or E, if Raven had already moved up there. He doesn't he make it to WWE until ECW closes. Okay. okay, see, for some reason I thought that he was with Meanie in the Oddities. He is. He is. Okay. I just don't. Right I to rem- censor oddities. Yeah. That's when he becomes. But yeah, for some reason. He actually wrestles again then. Yeah. So yeah. it's literally. I, I literally think our next match that we see him in will be in like five years. That's a true shame. But for some reason, I was assuming. I didn't realize that he goes to WCW with Raven. And I, the point I was trying to make was that uh, WCW made plenty of terrible decisions while the WWF. Had a better eye for talent and made better decisions, but I'm obviously wrong here. So you know, well, pin a rose on my nose. There's plenty of terrible decisions for them to continue to make with. Yeah, we don't have to. Yeah, we, future former ECW yeah. people. There's no. I, yeah. I had stumbled upon one on Twitter the other day of. No one's going to argue any the of debut that. of your least favorite person. <laughs> so I ask you, gentlemen, what are your overall thoughts? Of the Buffalo Invasion. Good house show, like the new venue. But we'll only be here one time. We might come back to the venue. They may just not call it the Buffalo Invasion. Yeah, okay, okay. I mean, I like I like the venue. I like the look of the show. I don't think the show was boring. I think the venue added some more spice to some things. And it kind of forced some of the matches to probably go a different direction. Or be worked a different way because of the arena ring and camera setup and uh, I appreciate all of those things but this is a really good house show 
Yeah. Real, but it's a really good house show to the point where it proves that ECW at home can be formulaic and one note ish, and this show had the same kind, the same combo of people that you might see in the ECW arena, but uh, the matches were worked differently in front of a different crowd, and they were more enjoyable from a wrestling standpoint, I think. I mean, along the same lines of what you're saying there. It was a good show throughout. Obviously, I have a couple of tweaks that I would make if I could have. Perhaps if Tommy Dreamer had another idol, Stevie Richards would have been able to continue to wrestle longer because maybe somebody (laughs) wouldn't have been tired and could have properly handled the security rail. But They all shouldn't have done the security rail spot. (laughs) It should have been a chair. You could have backdropped a chair over. Or should have just stopped at the little funk helicopter and then be done from there. He could have just swung a chair in circles, hit both of them, and then came back over his head. And like a chair to the back of his head may have given him a concussion, but it would not have broke his neck. But yeah. Yeah. Let I bygones mean, be got bygones. I truly feel that this should have, I mean, I get all the reasoning for stuff, but in my heart, this should have been the one where Stevie finally won because he's carried this company for the last year. I believe you, but he can't win in Buffalo, Shane. If he can't win in Buffalo, he can't win anywhere. And he And didn't. he won't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I do feel like we went into the crowd a bit too much, especially in those last four matches. Yep. They saved it, yeah. But I, I still had fun with them. Mm-hmm. Like They were a little different. Each one slightly different. I didn't fast forward through the tag match. But I know. Crazy. <laughs> The Stevie push was awesome. Like, I loved it. Ultimately, the injury news completely bummed me out. Absolutely. I had no idea before. And I'll just say it now. Like, the dream partner match, we could have just cut that match completely. Yep. Because, yes, I know it does help build the Stevie push. That was what it was there for. But at the same time, like... We could have taken 15 minutes off the show and been fine. If this because, was because everybody in that match worked a second match. If this was a um, like a regular a regular week, show, a, reg, a regular week in Philadelphia, it would have been split between at least two shows, or the beginning of the month yeah. and the end of the month. Uh, but they're out being here, a house show in Buffalo. They so gave them they gave them a little bit more, a little bit more. I and get it. We suffered because of it. I mean, we and Steve Richards suffered because because of it. But I'm glad that. Uh, I mean, uh, Raven was a good enough friend to get him. A I don't paycheck. think it, Terry could have dropped that a million different ways. Yeah, and it, and I'm not gonna could blame, have never hurt him. I'm not gonna blame Terry. It's not like Terry did it on purpose by yeah. any means. So, no, it's just a shame. It's the same with Sting. Nobody blames Sting for Rick ruining Rude. Rick, Rick yeah. Rude's career, mm-hmm. but we couldn't be more upset at the fact that somebody we love as much as Sting I mean, ruined the gotta, career of a guy we love. Career to be a legend. That's possible. We're looking at you, Randy Orton. <laughs> he didn't ruin. <laughs> He's the he legend killer. He kills him. He kills him. <laughs> it's even worse than being ruined. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? All right. Fuck you. I think it's time we smark it up. What are some of the best moments of this show? Chetty. Chetty. Yeah? Chetty rules. Chris Chetty was really good. Chetty got me excited the way that... Spicoli and that other guy that I can't remember the name of. 
who I probably shit my pants over and talk way too much about. Recently, when they brought Luis Piccoli in, there was another large man who threw people around, and he looked awesome. I'm trying to remember. But Chetty looks like he should be Yeah, in fucking... Chetty came in there with the, the power of Luis Piccoli and Furnace and Lafon. But he's smaller and more agile, and he looks like he should be working with fucking Ray and Malenko in WCW, or he should be on fucking the J-Cup. Like at this point, he legitimately and his the thing is is it's Are not only Candido. No, I'm not talking Candido. He's okay. another large man. I he is so athletic, his moves were so crisp, but he sold. Even in the smallest amount of time that he had, he would take the time to sell the move, and uh, that was either outside was... of the other two things that I found impressive. That was the most impressive was that he got. He, he just, it felt intuitive. He knew exactly what to do after every move, and I really enjoyed it. All right, let's see. Trained by Taz and Mikey Whitbrick. Checks out. <laughs> so that explains I mean, he's a, he's a, the knowledge and the selling. He's an EC, ECW dojo guy. It's funny to think that ECW had a dojo, because there's guys out I mean, there like the Sandman. I know, I know. So does he... Yeah. Kitty, I know what you mean. Stick around? Yeah, Chetty sticks around for a long time. I mean, he never really becomes anything big. He never becomes Mikey Whipwreck. But, but he sticks okay. around for quite so a while. So this says he's Taz's cousin? That sounds right. Hmm. Yeah. If the internet says it, it must be true, guys. I mean, it's it's the, Wikipedia, so the, anybody the could have wrote that. But and uh, birds aren't real. That's the only family listed is Taz. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. And then. That's cool. Then uh, yeah. When you go to Taz's page, it shows Hook and Chris Chetty. I mean, we haven't said it, but we all know the rude uh, snatch power bomb is uh, one of the best things ever. <laughs> I mean, because it's just hilarious to even think about. Yeah, let the boys eat. It was it was, it was so funny. Like I said, it was so it was shocking, and then it was like eyebrow raising, and then it was like comedic gold so it hit like a series of emotions for some a huge fan of lowbrow humor and they they nailed it they really nailed it and the and it, it's all visual and another crazy there's, thing so i literally just said we could probably could have just cut the dream partner match but there's so many fun moments like especially raven getting on the mic to like yeah. yell at stevie well i mean raven's doing the like the like shitty big brother and Stevie is like, no, I'm ready to defend myself now. It's like the he's the, and all of a sudden the lackey can't take it anymore. And uh, I think that that was all done pretty well. I really like Spicoli. I like him more as the, we'll see where it goes, but I like him more as the um. Rick Steiner or even more of like early Scott Steiner where it's like, oh, just a large guy in a fucking, in a singlet that throws people around. The but I think I was impressed with his promo and that, you know, he was really going for the heel thing. I was like, oh, well, we know the guy can work. You start him as a heel and go from there. Work um, for Taz. The Cronus 450. I mean, come on. Perfection. I'm so glad you said that. <clears throat> I would have felt embarrassed if we forgot it. What else was there? Show's really fun. I really think it's a fun show. I already said I, I'm really starting to enjoy old 
Tommy Rich as the mouthpiece for the full-blooded Italians. Was well, because he's like the the confident doofus. You know what I mean? Where it's like we all know this guy's full of shit, but he doesn't know he's full of shit. And he hasn't attempted the the JT. I want to talk like I'm a, an Italian. Yeah, no, no. And he that's just the comes thing that, out there and like that adds to the comedy of it too. It's like, oh, it's like, yeah, you can't even fake it well. Yeah, which makes it funny. He's a full-blooded Italian from Georgia. Yeah, or wherever the hell he's from. Yeah, um, he's kind of doing. Um, also, yeah, the first Taz match with no whistle. Mm. And Loved a, it. Yeah. There was a thing I noticed <laughs> where Bill Alfonso comes out and cuts a promo. And typically, I think Bill Alfonso is good at cutting a like snotty, confident, weaselly promo. But he stumbles really hard in the promo on this show. And I don't know if the stumble is like... Maybe, it's, maybe I'm just giving it more than it's due. But I was like, is he doing a good job or a bad job? In that he's doing a typical Bill Alfonso promo, which I think is a good thing, but he stumbles through it, and it's like, is he just making a mistake, or is this legitimately thought out to the point where he's just showing that this is a new thing and he's uncomfortable now that he's not with Taz? And I think that I'm just reading into it too far when people like. It could like, be either. It could yeah, be. I might be getting I'm like so film used to Twitter saying about and talking it. about Taz that I keep <laughs> yeah. wanting to say his name because. Yeah. That's but he what didn't, I do. He didn't tease it at all, but I was like, maybe he's just legitimately uncomfortable, and that added a little bit of something for me. But maybe I'm just overthinking ECW. Somebody uh, mail me a bullet. <laughs> Cody Michaels? No, nah, I can't remember this asshole's name. Okay, oh, oh, Cody I, I literally like, looked... I, I'm all the yeah. way back on, like, October of last year. Um, yeah, maybe he only had, like, a match. It was kind of... It was, like, maybe, like, post... Lafon and uh, I mean Lafon and, and, and yeah. Furnace were on that show, so it wasn't Cody Michaels. Maybe I'm just crazy. I think you're just crazy. Like who was the guy that Taz fought? Looked... That was like the ECW guy, ah, my, not the crazy. ECW, the UC. Well, that was Big Teton or whatever the fuck yeah. his name was. The guy that was Razor Ramon. Ah, okay. Big Titan. Yeah, that's forever ago. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. We don't have to worry about it. It's not important. Right. Luis Piccoli's here. How about most disappointing? I mean, I said it earlier, they go out into the crowd, just probably a little bit too much, but yeah, I think it, it's, it's not as bad as what it usually is. That's why I won't, I don't think that I will not consider that a negative because what normally happens, I think that the, like the trip, triple tag match was so much better than it would have been if it was in the 2900 arena. I mean, obviously based on uh the information you enlightened us with the biggest disappointment stevie is Ray. uh stevie yeah. richards yeah because we love stevie richards i'm gonna jump back to best moments for a second yeah. because we totally forgot the bleacher spot bleacher spot's fun yeah yeah they couldn't do that there that's the thing is that they've done everything they can do I mean, they've it's, done it's bleacher com- spots it's, at yeah. 2900, but, that, but that it are, just doesn't look the same. Well, this one's no. compelling, and they yeah. set it up, and the camera angle was good. But they've done everything as far as camera work, and for the most part, spots that they can do in that spot at this point. Until Masato Tanaka powerbombms Mikey Whiprock, Mike, not Mikey Whiprock, Mike Awesome over the top rope into a table. 
I'll probably cry when I see it again. <laughs> Disappointing Cronus using an umbrella. And the croquet. The croquet mallet. Like, those such weird... He did comedy items. for a second. Yeah. You know what's funny is, like, uh, while you were talking about that, I didn't have this thought while watching it, but while you were talking about it, I was thinking that if Hunter Hearst Helmsley, or if a Hunter Hearst Helmsley-esque character was in ECW, him beating people with a croquet mallet would be funny, and it would be lame enough that it would get great heat, and that would be fun and interesting. But Cronus doing it is just kind of like a weird... It's like a head scratch. It's like... What? Yeah. The guy just did a 450 at the top. They do the total elimination. The best fucking finisher in the company that's not, like, the Taz mission. And the Taz mission is cool, but the Taz mission is extra cool because he suplexes everybody seven times before he does it. Yeah. How about best performer? Oh, wow. It's Stevie, guys. Mm-hmm. Stevie. Honestly, I think this is a better Raven performance than we've seen in a very long time, considering he's not somebody that I have strong... Since he I have came back from his up. injury, he yeah. Once he got once he got healthy, he's yeah. put his working boots on. Yeah, I feel like. But he has to still ride the line of being the guy that like wouldn't oh, yeah. wouldn't work. So he's but he's but he is doing it when uh, it, he's moving back into it correctly instead of just coming back and having like a fucking putting on a clinic. It's like he can't come in here and put on a clinic. No, because that's not the character. I mean, but, I don't think he's. Good enough to he's be not, putting on he's not, clinics. No, no. But, but he he's could, better than what we saw there but, for quite some time because of his yeah. injury. But if Raven wanted to put on a singlet, uh, Shane Douglas could work him through a like classic fucking NWA like mid-card yeah. match. And it would be good. But that's not the character, so it makes complete sense. But I mean, we love Stevie, so give it to Stevie. I like Stevie more than Tommy Dreamer. I like Stevie more than Sandman. I like Stevie almost as much as Shane Douglas. Or no, or, or I like them both the same amount for different reasons. That's how much I like both of them. But uh, Shane Douglas has gotten enough awards from us. And uh, Stevie just be like has been coming into his own, but is... This is the show where he gains confidence that he's been building towards, and unfortunately, it's pulled out from underneath him. So, give it to the boy. The, the We Have Shawn Michaels at Home of professional wrestling. The prince of the super kick. Yep. How about most surprising? I mean, that's where the, uh, the Rick Rude... Yeah. Ass to mouth. Box munching. Yeah. I I was not expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, another surprising thing was I we didn't watch the show where uh, Louie went heel and slammed Beulah. So we, I feel like I hadn't seen Louie in a little bit. And he comes out like full heel. And see, Mike in hand, talking to the crowd, wearing a Beulah t-shirt. And he fucked her neck up. And I was like, oh, wow. This is what they're doing with Louie. I don't technically think he was really... Full heel. Either. Yeah. Last time we saw him. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. They, he's a, they've, they've done stuff with him since then, where yeah. he got here. But, you know. And then the I've, Stevie thing. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that ending. I mean, not the, the him losing part, but then finding out that that was his last 
you know, um, shining moment in ECW. You know what my most surprising moment was? Let's hear it. When you guys gave me your overall thoughts and you guys didn't hate the show. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's cool. Because literally whenever the last four matches just kept going out into the crowd and brawling, yeah. I was just like, I think I think it, like this I think it was the venue and um, the crowd and the the way that like the shots had to be different that it like really made a difference. Like in that tag match, they didn't follow everybody out into the crowd and everything that because the camera was focused on the ring, the only thing that seemed to make matter was what happened in the ring. So it just kind of felt like that was for everybody else, but the important stuff happened there. So I wasn't mad or annoyed by it. And then the Tommy Dreamer thing, it's like, okay, well, at least they had a reason because they went and did that big crazy down the stair spot. I mean, I do think that if they hadn't done the bleacher spot, that match would have gotten old real quick. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I agree. I agree with you. But I think what they did was... Certain things happened in each of those matches. Because if I look at the last four matches, you've got the Raven Dreamer Dream Partner match, and that's where Raven's doing the mic stuff with Stevie. Yeah, which we enjoy. You have the tag team match, team which match. I think is your most traditional plunder and crowd. Yeah, work yeah match but it was that like that that, 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 easy, that they did in all the show. They had that beautiful 450. Absolutely. It had I the combination I, yeah. instead of Devon and Bubba Ray. It had Devon and Big Dick, so it threw in a little difference there. And then, like I said, I I don't know. There was something different about the gangsters this time. Maybe there was less. Maybe it was the music shit that they brought with them. Maybe it was. I mean, the music. The music, the music is maybe one of the most disappointing things because it was laughable, but it's funny. You know when like. If you're when you're a kid and your mom makes meatloaf and you're like fuck, mom's meatloaf sucks, but I'm gonna eat it. And then you go to like my mom's meatloaf was great. My so. mom's bad cook, <laughs> but I'm just saying or chicken soup or whatever. And you're like oh I've had this a million times, whatever. I'm not excited about it. You go to a friend's house and you have the same dish, but it's better or it's different, and you enjoy it more for that reason. That is what happened here mm-hmm. this is ecw with a new spice out of the they, nest yeah they decided to buy smoked paprika instead of regular paprika they learned how to salt and pepper things correctly somebody gave them a bottle of garam masala and uh you know instead of garlic herb chicken they made a fucking curry and it was just like okay it's just different enough that i'm not angry at the normal stuff because it looks different, feels different, yeah. and it goes down a little easier. That's what she said. That's what uh, <laughs> Rick Rude said. And now for a look back even further into the history of wrestling. The Dusty Finish. Yokozuna had been WWF champion for the past nine months, coming into WrestleMania 10 on March 20th, 1994. He was scheduled to face the winner of the Royal Rumble, but it would end in a controversy, forcing Yoko to possibly face two different opponents. Lex Luger would win a coin toss and face Zuna first, with Mr. Perfect as a special guest referee. It would be a back-and-forth battle when Lex would attempt a slam, only for his back to give away, causing Zuna to land on top 
for a near fall. Yokozuna would expose a turnbuckle, but a reversed whip by Luger would send Yoko into the exposed steel, before successfully slamming Zuna and nailing a running forearm. Mr. Fuji and Jim Cornette would both jump to the apron to distract Perfect, which would frustrate Lex, so he would shove the ref, causing a disqualification and allowing Yokozuna to move on to the main event versus Brett, the Hitman Hart. Yoko would use his size advantage early on in this match, until Brett would avoid a splash and take down Zuna with forearms, making a cover, only for Cornette to pull this match's special referee, Rowdy Roddy Piper, out to stop the count. I mean, come on, Cornette. This would allow Yokozuna to regain control with a leg drop and a belly-to-belly suplex, dragging the hitman to a corner for the bonsai drop, only for Yoko to lose his balance on the ropes, allowing Hart to make the cover for the pin to become WWF champion for the second time. Brett would then begin a feud with his brother, Owen Hart, who would bring in a former WWF champion to help in his cause. Next week, Slamboree 1997. Hmm. You never know. You never know with a Starcade. You have a good idea with a Havoc. Uh, Uncensored is cooked. Slamboree, they're not doing Night of Legends stuff anymore. At least they haven't been. Let's hope not. But hey, I'd rather watch that than NWO Uncensored. Sold out. Sold out, yeah. Same thing. Uncensored. Not same thing. <laughs> we actually liked Uncensored. We did, we bit. did. It got better. Yeah. It did. And at least Uncensored is, even when it's bad, it's at least bizarre. Music from this week's show is This Is Extreme by Harry Slash and the Slash Tones. And Terry Funk won our main event. Desperado. Why? By the Eagles. They didn't play that on my show. <laughs> no, no, no. It was bizarre. But it's what they really played in the yeah in the arena. Mm-hmm. If you like this episode or any of our other ones, please go out there, rate, and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcast at. I still think we should play Stevie's song. <laughs> oh no! Uh, what is the Stevie song? We don't ever. I would have to do some research because I have um, no, no clue. Uh, right, we'll no. find. We'll, we'll look it up after we uh, hit stop on the recorder. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns. Where the hell are we going? We're Recipes, going to Charlotte. Arguments. We're going to Charlotte, North Carolina next. So if you've got any... Real flair country. Blended ideas mm. of what I should do, whether they be food, cocktails, snacks, let me know. Slide into our DMs. Give us a shout out on the old Xbox. Uh, 360. I say Xbox, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's already something called that, damn it. Yeah, it's okay. But yeah, on, on the formerly known as Twitter... And uh, just let us know. The X Machine. Also, what do you think of this show? What's your favorite? Do you think Stevie should have won? I do. Have you watched this show? Has anybody watched this show since <laughs> we've watched this show in the last five years? But you can do any of those things by contacting our email at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com or find us on X at wrestlinghistox. That's wrestling H I S T O. We'll talk to you next week. Later. Fuck.